Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hi, Jim. Kimberly, so good to see you. Good to be here today. It seems like a long time since we've seen you here yes. in our CBH studio, but so glad to have you today. I'm so glad to be here. This is a, an exciting conversation we're about to have. And you make every room brighter. Yes, oh, you do. I'm so looking nice. at your smile. <laughs> okay, but as I'm looking at your smile, I want you to hold on to that because today on Viewpoint, we're going to dive into some deep water. That's right. We're going to wrestle with some really hard things that are born out of true life and yet have the capacity to set us free. We're going to be talking about the story of a woman named Cory Ten Boom. Have you heard that name before? I have. Many, many times. And uh, how did you first hear it? You know, she was a a hero of my mother's. And uh, as a young girl, my mother gave me the book, uh, Hiding Place, to read. And that's how my fascination with this woman began. And you were just a young girl then. Yeah, I was in middle school. And reading the book, The Hiding Place, which became a bestseller. (laughs) I'd say your mom had great influence to get you to read such things. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to open up a series that celebrates the life, the witness, and the lessons learned from the woman that we call Corrie Ten Boom, a most extraordinary life lived. And her story is one that pulls and tugs at every fiber of the heart. Now, I know that some listening today do not know the name Corrie Ten Boom, and we hope you'll hang with us because we're going to tell you a story that you will never forget. Corrie Ten Boom, The Hiding Place. These are two collections of words that are forever united in my memory. We're talking about Corrie Ten Boom today. She was born in the Netherlands way back in April of 1892. And uh, she passed away in 1983. She was 91. And between those two years, she lived many lifetimes. What a life. And uh, The Hiding Place is the name of a book that she made famous. It's actually kind of a memoir. It's a history, an autobiography, a story of her life lived through some of the darkest days this world has ever known, Mm -hmm. World War II in Europe. And uh, I know you've read the book, Kimberly, and once you read this book, you never forget the Mm -mm. particulars. But what do you remember first up? Corey was born into a house in the Netherlands. Life was good. It was secure. Mm -hmm. Her father was a watchmaker. She had a sister named Betsy. She has a brother. Mm -hmm. Everything seems to be going well. And then the war. And then the war. Yeah, and I I remember just being struck by her courage and um, the way that she and Betsy risked their lives for the Jews in this terrible nightmare that was their reality. And they themselves, the Ten Booms, Casper Ten Boom, he was a widower, and his two adult daughters, Betsy and Corey, and then there was a younger brother, Mm -hmm. they risked their lives after the Nazis conquered Holland. And during those occupation years, they risked their lives by hiding Jews in their Mm -hmm. house, hence the name of the book, The Hiding Place. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting, they were very devout Christians. Mm And uh, they saw their calling to help the Jews because they believed the Jews were God's chosen people originally in the Old Testament. And furthermore, they had a Christian conviction that anyone who's innocent Mm -hmm. uh, by their birth, the Jews were not hounded because of things they had done, but because of their ethnicity and their religion. And this was repellent to the Ten Booms and their Mm -hmm. understanding of a Christ Mm -hmm. who loves. And so they risked everything to save these lives. Not just the Jews, though. The story is often uh, understood in those terms, and there were many Jews who were rescued consequent to their courage. But other members of the Dutch resistance who who were sacrificing their lives who may have been Christians or Mm -hmm. not 
of any belief at all, but who recognized the Nazi terror and right. knew that it could not last. They would give their lives to mm-hmm. repel the Nazis. All of these people found refuge in a tiny little space in the Ten Boom house in their city in Holland, mm-hmm. and it was hidden behind the walls, and no one could find it. In the end, they're betrayed by someone yeah. who discovers their secret. The Ten Booms are all arrested, but the people who were in the hiding place were never found. Mm-hmm. They did escape. Other resistance workers and other people of like mind came to rescue them after the Ten Booms were mm-hmm. carted off. Mm-hmm. And the story then is just beginning. Right. Because all of the drama of hiding these people and getting the ration cards and how you kind of create the Mm. screen so Mm. that nobody notices that your house is teeming with life as the Nazis Mm. and the Gestapo walk by, always poking in and out. The story actually begins as they're loaded onto a truck, Corey and her family, and they're hauled off to concentration camps. Her dad will be dead in 10 days. Mm. Betsy and Corey will find themselves hauled off out of the Netherlands, their home, into the north of Germany, 56 miles north of Berlin, a little village called Ravensbrück, at which there had been constructed in the 1930s a concentration camp. That is where the story really, really grabs our hearts even more dramatically than it could have already. Most people have an image of a Nazi concentration camp. We've seen enough television and film to understand the horrors of the Holocaust. Ravensbrück was a little different because it was an unusual camp designed only for women. The women who were there were forced into hard labor. Everyone was, but also some pretty awful stuff. Mm. What do you know about it, Kimberly? I mean, it's hard to even speak about, but think about what it would have been like for Corey and Betsy, these women who had spent their lifetimes living under their father's roof, they were young women in the Netherlands and suddenly carted off to this awful place. And not only are they forced to move rocks and dig ditches and do all kinds of hard labor, but people are suffering there for other causes. Yeah, so this is the concentration camp where uh, Heinrich Himmler is in command. And there are all sorts of, across these years, just trials and scientific tests and medical practices that are undertaken that are grotesque and horrible that these women were subjected to, just sort of as, pardon the term, but lab rats, right? Uh, so the Germans could try out certain treatments or, or medicines that could be poisons and, and even worse than that. And Uh, So that's where these young women in the prime of their life from this beautiful family get carried away to. And And it's it's just unfathomable. It's terrifying to think of what it would be like to be in a camp where food is rationed to almost just subsistence levels, where in the winter it's bitterly cold and you have hardly the clothes to wear to survive. You're thrown into despicable bunk rooms that are filled with all kinds of vermin and insects and lice and everything else chilled to the bone at night after a day out on the field, and then wondering, will I be selected for the next medical experiment where they may inject me with a drug that'll kill me or where they'll do some disfiguring surgery or where they'll try an experiment by injecting things into my bone marrow that'll cause me to suffer every day that I still have life. I mean, the whole nightmare scenario could not better be described than using this word. It was a nightmare. Nightmare. And yet, Corey and Betsy, women of deep faith, congregate around the other inmates and and help share the love of Mm -hmm. Jesus with them. And they try to help people understand that there is a God, even though this world seems unexplainable. 
there is a God who loves us. And, and Betsy and Corey both say in response to questions, if there's a God, how could this happen? And they would simply answer, we don't know, but this we do know. Mm-hmm. Our God is a loving God, and somehow he will prevail. Mm-hmm. All of this goes on until at last Betsy dies in the camp. Her life is taken from the beatings and the hard labor mm-hmm. and the disease and the malnutrition. Corey is miraculously released just before the war ends and set on foot with nowhere to go, but she ultimately finds her way back to Holland, and she rebuilds her life and starts sharing her testimony of the love of God until one day she's talking in Munich, Goes Germany, back to Germany to, to tell, tell the people yes. about how loving Jesus is <laughs> and how Jesus forgives. Yeah. And she's in a big hall filled with people, and a guy comes up to her, and he looks pretty disraught. Mm-hmm. And he says to her, Fräulein, I know that you mentioned Ravensbrück. I was a guard there. And right then, Corey she has knows. a minute yeah. that will never be forgotten. She looks at this man and she realizes that he does not recognize her, but she recognizes him. Mm-hmm. This was one of the guards that beat her and her sister. This was one of the guards who effected all kinds of horrible suffering on Corey and her sister and many others there at the camp. And now he's standing in front of her. Yes and doesn't remember, but he's listened to her teaching about Jesus and the gospel of forgiveness, and she has a choice to make. What's the choice? Shall I forgive him or not? In fact, he comes up to her and asks her for that forgiveness. And how can it be done? I mean, I think any of us who have walked with her through her story, and you can see a film that was produced in 1975 of The Saint in the Hiding Place. If you have the visuals of this, How could you forgive someone? I get, I forgive the person who cut me off on the interstate highway. I forgive the person who crowded in front of me at the supermarket. I could even forgive my child who spoke back to me, maybe even an ex-wife who who left me for another man. That's not my story, but I'm saying I, I understand some levels of right. forgiveness. But how could you forgive someone who literally played a part in the unnecessary murder and torture oh. and suffering? of your own flesh and blood, and but by the grace of God, you yourself would have been lost. Mm-hmm. How do you look at him in the face mm-hmm. and forgive him? There's some scriptures that speak just to this, and I know these were roiling in her head. Kimberly, what does the Bible say? What did Jesus say famously in the Sermon on the Mount? So Matthew 6, 14 to 16, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for fasting. I tell you the truth, that is only the reward they will ever get. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus says, But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. I mean, everywhere in the teaching of Jesus, we have this this concept that Our ability to receive forgiveness for our Mm -hmm. faults and shame is hinged on our capacity and willingness to forgive others. Even in the Lord's Prayer, forgive me my debts, my sins, Mm -hmm. as I forgive my debtors, those who have sinned against me. Mm -hmm. So this converges on Corey right then. The war has ended. It's been over for a few years. She's now standing tall and straight. This man has hobbled over, (sighs) burdened by his guilt and shame. He's asking for forgiveness, even though he doesn't recognize her. She knows him, and she has to make a choice. Corrie Ten Boone's own description of this moment reveals her struggle, Mm -hmm. and that she didn't feel like she really had it in her, that humanly speaking, she could not forgive him. 
I think many of us struggle with this because we might think, well, I need forgiveness for some things, but I never did anything as bad as that person did. I need to be forgiven for the way in which I I didn't say those kind words, but I've never done anything like this Nazi guard did. Mm -hmm. And that gives us a kind of veneer of protection in our own minds, but that's not what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. You forgive or you can't be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, she says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to choose to do it. And one of the things about Corey Ten Boone's witness that I've learned is you make a choice first and then God empowers you after you've surrendered your will. Mm -hmm. He'll empower you to do what you don't think you can, Mm -hmm. but you first must decide I will lay it down. And that's what happens in Munich. She lays it down and she said, once she made the choice, Mm -hmm. there was the supernatural, miraculous phenomena that occurred in her own heart where she wanted to reach out and just embrace him Mm -hmm. in a way she could not have imagined even minutes before. And she was herself set free. I'm sure that man walked away a better (laughs) man, but she was set free. Isn't that about forgiveness? I love how she said in the moment, she says, uh, she prays, Jesus help me. And she says, I can raise my hand. But what, literally what she's saying is you have to make the power come through so this happens. In the Hebrew gym, there's this beautiful word for forgiveness. It's called NASA. And I always remembered it because of NASA. <laughs> because the meaning in the Hebrew is literally lifting the yoke the burden off of the person who has harmed you. You get this picture that the victim, the person who's been hurt, is the one with the power. You make the decision. You decide that you're going to lift the yoke up off of this other person. Literally, this man was suffering because he had caused her to suffer. It's all related. And when when she did that, when she took that moment and God helped her forgive him, she was free. And her whole life thereafter, for the next 40 years, Mm -hmm. was an explosion of grace and mercy and power because she became a global figure. Mm -hmm. And her story was so compelling and undeniable. And someone could say, you don't have the right to say that, but nobody could say that to Corey Ten Boom. No, you have earned the right to say this. And when you talk about forgiveness, I can't say I can't do that. Mm -hmm. If you can do that, Mm-hmm. I can do that. And that Jesus guy that helped you do that, well, that same Jesus must be able to help me too because your level of forgiveness will trump just about anything I could imagine in my life journey. And that brings us today to each of us. Mm-hmm. Where are you today? Who has wronged you? And all of us have been wronged. All of us have been denied something that was rightfully ours or had something taken away from us that we owned properly. All of us have been wounded and left by the curb by somebody who unfairly treated us. Who is it in your world today that you need to forgive? You might think, well, I don't have anyone. Just stop and think and make sure that you're clear. Because your own ability to be free is hinged on your willingness to forgive. Now remember, you may not feel like you can forgive, but Corey would say, you can choose to forgive and then let the Lord empower you to live that forgiveness out. Wherever you are in life today, whatever you're doing, whatever your past, whatever your future, there is probably no truth that will do more for you than this. Will you forgive those who have harmed you? How do you start? Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today for the story of Corrie Ten Boom, but more than that, we're thankful for Jesus Christ the Lord, this one who hung on a cross and looked at those who mercilessly treated him and asked you to forgive them because they did not know what they were doing. That same Jesus can live in us. We're thankful for the way in which he possessed 
Corey and for the way in which she was able to extend grace even to those who had so desperately taken from her. May we, Lord, walk in that same footstep. Father, if there's anyone in our lives that has caused us grief, that we still nourish some kind of grudge against, bring it to mind now that we can be free of it. If there's anyone, Lord, that we need to cross their path so that we can set them free by forgiving them, show us how and when. If there's anything we need to do, Lord, to experience your full forgiveness by the way in which we give forgiveness to others, help us to know it. And by faith, Lord, we choose, right now we choose, not to be angry with and not to be holding anything against anyone else so that we might ourselves be free and that we might be clothed by your grace. Help us to forgive, Lord, so that we might ourselves be forgiven. And we ask it in the single and powerful name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Now, if you'd like to know more how you can proceed down this path, and and maybe you're struggling still after this prayer, but if you want to know more how you can understand Jesus and how he breathes new life, how he can cause you to start fresh and new, how he can forgive you of your sin and empower you to forgive others, you give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. We want to hear from you. Or you can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us a message and we'll reply. That's right. CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. cbhviewpoint.org. Or if you prefer at the last, not to call us up or even to check us out online, write me a letter. Just address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, check us out online, or use Surface Mail, please let us hear from you this week. Kimberly, that story of Corey Ten Boom, boy, once you revisit it, it sticks with you now again for these days. It does. I'm so thankful for her life, and 125 years on, we're still being inspired Mm -hmm. by this woman's faith and her love, and I'll say her courage. And we're going to talk about that some more next week. We hope you'll join us. Thanks for tuning in today. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.